Some days are terrible, you wish that you were dead And some days are magical, like grape banana bread Someday we'll be friends with the voices in our heads The voices in our heads Hi guys, how you doing? <laughs> Welcome to the Voices in Our Heads. I'm Christina Marie Anderson. I'm so glad you didn't kill yourself this week. Oh boy, tensions is high. Or it's just me. And I'm looking at the internet too much. It's probably that. And it's probably also tensions is high. I fucking, man. HBO Max sent me this thing, uh, this box of snacks and this thing to post on my Instagram to promote um, their stand-up thing tonight <laughs> this is not a paid promotion trust me <laughs> if it was I would owe them money uh, and they sent me a box of snacks and they're like okay August 18th at 10 p.m. but like we expect everybody who gets a box of snacks to be posting it on their social media and I was like okay and then last night I got stoned as hell like I do and I ate all the snacks and I forgot to take a picture of it <laughs> sorry HBO <laughs> oh everything is going to shit I will say something that has kept me sane this past week is Kevin got his balls cut off. He got his balls cut off and he got a hernia repaired, little hernia, a little bump in his belly. And then he got eight fangs pulled out of him. And this beautiful motherfucker, man, when I was when when I dropped him off this past Friday at the vet's office and he was so scared and then the nurse was carrying him off into the into the room and then I was going to leave for the day and come back he was looking at me like are you going to are they going to cut my balls off and i was like no oh i got to go and i ran out I'm like i lied to my son who am i but his cone he has a cone on and this motherfucker is walking around acting like he don't have a cone and he just it ain't killing his spirit Kevin is not allowing this plastic cone around his neck to dent his spirit. Nope, not one little centimeter. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is inspiring to me. Oh, Kevin, you're the shit. That cone is gnarly, though. It's nasty. I got to clean it. I got to clean it. But he's still humping stuff, y'all. I thought when the balls got cut off, he was trying to hump stuff the day I took him home. I'm like, Kevin, you're an animal. You're an animal. Whatever. He's fine. Guys, life's shit. Well, it's sometimes it's shit and sometimes it's not. But you know what it's time for? You know, I know what it's time for. It's time for some fuckboy theater, okay? Oh, let's forget our own woes and dive into somebody else's shithole of a life. Oh, my God. Okay. So I'm going to do two versions of fuckboy theater. The first one is a just one long message from a guy. Just one long message. And we're going to read it. This is from a 36-year-old man who lives in California, but he's a transfer from Texas, as he will mention multiple times. Okay, ready? Let me get in the zone. <sighs> Someone I don't want to be... Okay, ready? Okay. I'm a single dad, 36, out here for work and lonely. I really just want to hang. I'm a nice guy. I work. Wait, you know what? I got it. I'm sorry, guys. I got to rewind. He's from Texas. I'm not doing the right voice. I'm so sorry. <clears throat> Let's regroup. Let's regroup. Let's regroup. 
Hi, I'm a single dad from Texas. I'm a single dad, 36, out here for work and lonely. I really just want to hang. I'm a nice guy. I work a lot. Work even more. Huh? A woman just sent me a pic of her nakedness. Such a turn off. Because I'm homosexual. Just kidding. I added that part. I need to talk. But are you gay? Haven't been with another woman in 10 years. Oh, that's not appetizing, good sir. From Texas, you don't say. Like wine. Again, this is a message he's sending to a woman. Love rock music. I own a software company that is getting ready to take off here and an office at Universal, parentheses, busy boy. I also own a VC company that focused on commercial real estate. Money has been tight lately from investing everything I have into it. I am doing it for my kiddos, though. My sale was dropped in the bay fishing in Texas. Oh, he's from Texas. Did you know that? My sail was dropped in the bay, fishing in Texas, so new one is getting shipped. What the fuck is he messaging you from? You can get me on here or on LinkedIn. You seem like a normal person is strange in this strange place they call L.A. I'm from Texas. Really? He is? Huh? He's from Texas, guys. I have a suit, but prefer jeans and boots. No pressure on benefits. If we like each other, who knows? I am a little nervous. Warrior in the boardroom. Introvert in life. Haven't been kissed in so long or held. I don't want it unless it isn't forced. Wait, what? I don't want it unless it isn't forced. Okay. Would be down to just meet a friend too. No, that's a lie. Email is best. And then he sends his email. If you want to connect and hang tonight. I mean, his love dead? Probably. But then I just look at Kevin and his cone and I'm like, no, love is still there. It's just not in you. You know, in you meaning the man who wrote that message. Okay, let's read one more shit show. This is a uh, 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 message, messages between a fuck boy named Jeff and a, and a gal. And I'm going to read the timestamps because that's important to the situation as you will soon find out. December 31st, 2019, 4.28 p.m. Go to bed. January 4th, Happy New Year. January 18th, sup. January 18th, two hours later. What you up to, R.O.? April 11th, hi. April 11th, a couple hours later. How's it going? April 21st, hi. Switch sides, LOL. And then a couple hours after that, he goes, LOL, sorry. And then she replies, no worries. LOL, don't judge. Just think you're cute. Sorry, don't say anything. You'd never, uh, I've never, I'd never change, but you'd be my number one pick. You're beautiful. Did he spell it? You are right. No, of course he didn't. April 25th. Sorry. April 25th, a couple hours later. Feel bad. And then one hour after that, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I do respect you. I'm just dumb. He's smart enough to know that, but not smart enough to stop texting. May 3rd, sad face. May 12th, 4.33 a.m. Sorry. May 12th, 10.04 a.m. My bad. May 12th, 10.26 a.m. Don't hate me, LOL. May 12th, 10.55 a.m. Can't help it. Always had a thing. 
May 12th, 11, 19 a.m. Smirk emoji. May 12th, 6 p.m. Sorry. May 16th, 7.58 a.m. I'm sorry. May 16th, 9.02 a.m. You single? May 16th, 10.06 a.m. I'm not weird. I just always find you cute. <sighs> May 26th, 10.25 a.m. Try me. I'm attracted to how you look. May 21st, 3.33 a.m. Sorry. May 24th, 12.42 a.m. Smiley emoji. May 28th, 9.24 a.m. Sorry, might have been drinking. May 28th, 12.55 p.m. Upside down smile emoji. May 28th, 2.36 p.m. Sorry, don't judge me, lol. May 28th, 4.47 p.m. Eye roll emoji. You're beautiful. Laughing emoji. I'm sorry, I had to tell you. Kind of why I always talked to you. May 28th, 5.08 p.m. I love your tiny body, lol. Upside down smiley face emoji. Sawy. May 28th, 6.35 p.m. Smiley face emoji. May 28th, 11.25 p.m. Don't judge me, lol. Fine, you can. Oh, thank God. <laughs> May 31st, 5.43 a.m. Oops. May 31st, 9.47 a.m. Sawy. June 4th, 3.26 a.m. Smiley face. I'm noticing a pattern here. June 4th, 4.20 a.m. Let's make a deal. June 4th, 9.25 a.m. Sorry. You working yet? You're cute. Sorry, LOL. June 4th, 10.20 a.m. I want your pics. I know you're not interested, but you're cute. And he spelt the first, I know you're not interested, right? And then the, the you're cute, wrong. June 4th, 1.29 p.m. Tongue out emoji, smiley face. Kissy emoji. June 4th, 2.20 p.m. Sad emoji. June 4th, 5.26 p.m. Bored, tongue out emoji. June 4th, 9.01 p.m. Want it, LOL? I like tits. June 4th, 9.18 p.m. Kissy emoji, star eye emoji. June 4th, 10.02 p.m. Blushy face emoji, sawy. I want it. I want your lil tits. Can I D, girl? June 8th, 12.30 p.m. Kissy emoji. June 8th, 8.28 p.m. I'm sorry. No, you're not. June 8th, 9.05 p.m. Angel emoji, bored. June 14th, 3.37 a.m. Sawy. June 14th, 7.13 p.m. Dumb. June 14th, 7.36 p.m. I'm sorry, idiot. You're cute. Jeff, this needs to stop. It's borderline harassment at this point. It was flattering the first time, but I'm not interested. Also, please never speak to women about their bodies like you have done to me. It's wildly inappropriate and sleazy. I'm not sure if this tactic has worked on other women, but it's not working on me. I'd also advise you to not go after women this fashion going forward. This isn't my account. I had been hacked. June 14th, 8.08 p.m. I'm deleting this account I never use. I don't use Facebook. 
I would never say that. I never go on Facebook. Now I realize why I hate social media. Another hundred people are rattled too. Delete this account, please. She's not Facebook. June 14th, 8.42 p.m. I'm sorry. What are you sorry for? I didn't realize what was happening. All good. And scene. Oh, boy. Congrats on not killing yourself during that. You know? Guys, what's happening? Is Something's in the water today. Because I woke up real mad. And then I took out my anger on a comedian that I follow who loves Trump. And then I regretted it because all of his dumbass followers commented me, uh, you know, replied to my comment. And then I got pissed. And then I stopped looking at it. That's actually something I do that um, releases tension in my body. I, I comment. See, but this is bad because I'm stooping, man. I'm stooping low. When they go low, I go lower. And that's not good. That's not what Michelle Obama said. I got to go higher. I thank God I'm reading the six pillars of self-esteem, y'all, because I need the self-esteem to go high when they go low because I don't have it. I don't have the patience. I got to say, I will, I, 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 I'm ahead of the curve, I'm noticing. I'm noticing that I am ahead of the curve. I was, I, was, I was pushing rollerblades for a year now, over a year. And now, look at all these accounts with girls skating. They might have already been there. And it's not me doing it. I'm not claiming. But I'm just like, oh, I, I was like, hey, this is a cool thing. And then all these people are like, hey, this is a cool thing. And I'm like, right? I told you. And then... I got a P.O. box. And now everyone's like, let's save the post office. I'm like, shit, girl, you psychic. Follow me, kids. We're going on a journey. I don't know where, but it'll be fun. The perks of understanding your childhood trauma. I've been advocating for that for years. And now it's finally widely accepted. Again, I'm not claiming any sort of responsibility. I am saying, though, when I get interested in something and start pushing it, I notice that shortly after that, not because of me, but it does become a trend in a good way. And so what I'm saying is, follow me on Instagram. I need more followers. At Christina Hutchins. K-R-Y-S-T-Y-N-A. I cannot, for the love of Christ, figure out this goddamn algorithm, and I want to get more followers. I do. I want to. Because I'm, 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 I'm rolling out big plans. Am I going to tell you any of them now? No. But am I going to dangle them in front of your head? Yeah. Anyway. I, it, for anybody, for everybody who has sent me a letter or a package in the in the mail in my PO box, <laughs> first of all, man, when I check that PO box, I that's my that's my that's my drug. That's my new drug. I love reading your letters. I've every I've received a bunch so far. I've read them all. I'm I'm gonna be slow at responding, so please bear with me. But I will respond, and I'm so excited, and it just really warms my fucking heart. And I I. I, you know, my other podcast is called Guys We Fucked. I'm not fucking anybody right now. And I notice myself thinking that, oh, I should get on a dating app. But I really don't want to. Like, I'm just, I'm just I think I should want to. So I'm like, yeah. And then I got an email from the league. And they're like, you've been drafted for the league. And I was like, oh my God, they think I'm special? And I made this dating app profile. And then they're like, all right, that's $99 a month, please. I'm like, oh, no, I don't want to do this. And then I went upstairs in my loft and I smoked weed and read your letters. And I'm like, yeah, this is the kind of connection that I want. A total stranger who knows me well, who I don't know, but is introducing them to me through their letters. I just think that is so beautiful. It's so much better than a boyfriend. 
And I really am happy and content. I miss sex. I miss it, but I miss a lot of things. I miss concerts. You know what I mean? I'd rather go to a concert than have sex if I had to pick, you know? I mean, what kind of world is that? You can either go to a concert tonight, Christina, or you can have sexual intercourse. I pick the concert. I got to buy one of those fucking, not sex dolls, but the things that you sit on. I'll figure it out. Guys, save the post office. Write a letter. My P.O. box is listed on my Instagram um, as a post. It's Christina Hutchinson, P.O. Box 1926, New York, New York, 10156. Write me a letter. Write me a letter. This is so fun. And I'll write you a letter. I will. Um, but you need to know that I'm just going to be slow with responding. But I put all kinds of stationery and I got all these fucking pens. Can I tell you? Nothing brings me joy quite like a fresh ballpoint pen. And I'm talking the the 1.0 millimeter ones. The thick ones that lay a heavy trail of ink that's shiny and you can't touch the paper or else it'll smudge. I'm, I don't know. This is not OCD. I call it that, but that's not what it is. Um, but when I, do, when I have such a ballpoint pen that's fresh and shiny and leaves a snail trail of ink, if I accidentally smudge it, I, even, even if I'm just writing a to-do list, I got to start over and throw the paper out and write a new one. Because when things are aesthetically pleasing to me, I'm more relaxed. And that's why I like hot people. Uh, I wanted to um, talk a little bit about the post office since, you know, it's, it's, it's on the up and up, hopefully. Um, write someone you love a letter. Write me a letter. Write, just mail shit, guys. It's, the post office is the Alex Trebek of government agencies. It's so sweet and helpful and a necessary thing. I mean, it's, it's really an important part of our country. God, I sound like Alex Jones. But I do think that. Um, but here's a, here's just some, some chunks from an article. I was like, I want to share with people the history of the post office because it's really cool. The post office is by far the oldest federal agency in America and the only one explicitly authorized in the constitution as Winifred Gallagher writes in her delightful history, how the post office created America. Its main architect was none other than Benjamin Franklin, who had been heavily involved in the earlier colonial postal service on the orders of the continental Congress. He built up its first iteration as part of the revolutionary war effort. You, you, you hear about soldiers writing to their wives when they're away at war. All these uh, historic love letters that presidents wrote. Their, oh, my God. Just love letters. Just love letters. And then I read Fuckboy Friday and I'm like, ew, dude. And then I go up in my loft and I read your letters. They're not love letters, but they're just really sweet, kind. Here's what I'm doing. What are you up to? And it's just such a beautiful, simple, pure form of communication. Oh, God, unlike European postal services, which are generally expensive provinces of the elite, plus state surveillance and espionage, the U.S. post office would, uh, would ideally be available to just about anybody who needed it. Tampering of any kind, state or private, was outlawed, which I do, if you recall, if you live in America, you know that um, ta opening somebody else's mail is a, I don't know if it's a federal crime, but it is a very serious crime. And I'm like, that's kind of cool. Because respect my mail and don't go through it. You know what I mean? Huge violation of privacy. Um, and that's like, you know, I just kind of like that. I like that. And it's a stamp is, I don't know what they're, how much they are now. But 
It's what a democratic thing. You mail a letter to California or you mail a letter to your next door neighbor and it just costs 52 fucking cents or however much a stamp costs. That's beautiful. And some of you guys are writing me letters. I, I love this. Uh, you, like you, you clearly, you, you take a page in a notebook, you wrote me a letter and then you folded it and put it in an envelope. And I just, that's such a raw letter, you know? Like I just, I love that. I just, I feel like I was at your house or something, not in a creepy way. Um, but it just, that's like a part of you, that piece of notebook page that you, that you, and you put a stamp on it and you mailed it to me. It's just, it means a lot. It's so easy to forget today, but up until the development of the telegraph in the 1850s, mail was the cutting edge of both communication and state modernization. On the Postal Service Act, Gallagher quotes historian Richard R. John that it inaugurated, quote, a communications revolution that was as profound in its consequences for American public life as the subsequent revolutions that have come to be associated with the telegraph, the telephone, and the computer. I mean, I just love the post office. And it's just, and it's, it's, it's self-funded. They're not a profit organization, clearly. And you, some of you... <coughs> Sorry, I have coronavirus. Some of you may, you know, have had a, the Postal Service fuck up one of your packages, but we're all human beings. But man, when I heard Donald Trump was like trying to fuck up the election by saying fuck the post office, basically, and then the postmaster general apparently was getting rid of all these mail sorting machines so that we could further fund the idea that the election is corrupted. I was like, oh, your girl going to come in here and uh, not take any of that shit. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. And I looked up, you know, this is a part of the thing with Black Lives Matter, the resurgence of Black Lives Matter and kind of the 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 reckoning that white people are coming to about race. And hopefully that reckoning is, oh, shit, I thought I knew, understood things and I don't. Right. And one of the things that's different in my brain now that I do is when I read this article about the post office, I was like, and Benjamin Franklin started, I'm like, Benjamin Franklin, what a guy. He invented all this good stuff. And then I Googled, did he own slaves? Yeah, he owned two. And that's just, I'm not saying fuck everything he's ever done, but I just want to know that. You know what I mean? I just, I want that peace of, not, it's not peace of mind. Jesus Christ, it's the opposite of peace of mind. But I, I want to be fully informed about a person. I don't want to hear only the best things. So yeah, he owned two slaves, and he and and part of his um, part of his newspaper that he created, he had sections in there where they would sell human beings. So that just I just that's needed to know. Like I I am a huge fan of Alice in Wonderland. I I'm I'm sort of obsessed with the story, but I also recognize that Lewis Carroll was a pedophile, straight up pedophile, I, and it's it's not. You can't really argue it. For me personally, I that does not ruin Alice in Wonderland for me personally. If it ruins it for you, totally cool. I, I support you in whatever, however you ingest art and whatever boundaries you've personally created with. If you could still listen to R. Kelly, that's on you. That's fine. Okay. I can't. I can still listen to Michael Jackson only because I have to put that out of my head that he molested kids. Even though every time I do hear like, pretty young thing i'm like ooh, was that about a little boy's butt i hope not um but but if you if you can still ingest the comedy of bill cosby because he was a, a fucking legend in the stand-up comedy world while he was ripen that's on that's okay that's you i can't but i don't i respect 
your art. But so I want to be informed, right? And so with this black with Black Lives Matter being um, resurging the way it did, and we can't we can't let that die, guys. Can't let that die. You got to keep talking about it. Um, one of the things I do now is when I read up about a historical figure, I see if they owned slaves. A lot of them did. Uh, and I just take that knowledge with me. And I just want to know. I think being fully informed is really important. Um, so, yeah. God. Donald Trump's brother died. And I saw on Twitter, I was looking at the, you know, the, the news stories, the trending stuff. And it said his brother died. And then I looked at the, the hashtags that were trending. And one of them was hashtag wrong Trump. I'm like, ooh, that's ice cold. That's ice cold. That's ice cold. I'm like, oh, come on, guys. <laughs> I mean, what a polarizing human being he is. But I don't, you know. He tweeted that his brother was his best friend. And I'm like, oh, you sad sack of shit. I feel bad for you. I'm sorry that happened. Um, that was the first time I ever thought, of, thought about Donald Trump that wasn't like, Jump off a cliff. And, you know, I, 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 I feel bad. I feel bad for people who are living out their unresolved childhood trauma in the public. And that's a lot of famous people. Um, it's just sad to me. But, um, and he's one of them. He's one of them. So I don't know what the hell's happening with my, like, inner growth and my, like, fucking journey. Am I, like, working on myself? Am I, like, you know, spirituality? Am I, like, maturity? But when I think of Donald Trump, I don't, now I don't think of, fuck him. I think of, oh, man, I feel bad for him. Still not going to vote for him. But I'm going to vote. I never was going to vote for him. And it's very hard to talk to people who support Trump. For me right now, that's very hard. It's very hard. So I'm just going to pretend that politics don't exist when I'm talking to my mom because that's what I have to do to stay healthy and stay sane. Guys, have you seen these commercials for, for Deal Dash? I don't know who's getting these commercials on CNN. I'm watching, whenever I watch CNN, there's always commercials. I, and people are like, get the Hulu on I don't want to get the no commercials now. I want to see what's happening in these commercials. I saw a commercial about sick kids. It was a Make-A-Wish Foundation commercial, but they did it right. They didn't show me little Tommy bleeding out on the sidewalk, okay? Because every time he eats a bite of food, it comes out as fucking lungs or whatever problem Tommy has from this rare cancer that only one person in the world has. Make-A-Wish Foundation had upbeat music and they showed the kids not completely in tattered condition and it made me want to donate to them. Because it's like, look, I know. I know these kids are suffering. Obviously, that's why this foundation was created to help have give them one last experience or a good experience or one last good experience of whatever they have is terminal. But don't show me the kid dying. Show me the kid having fun because you made a wish for him. That'll make me want to donate. ASPCA, take a note from make a wish. All those starving baby commercials, take a note from make a wish. Because that dramatic music you're using and those the footage of the dying kids and the dying dogs, I don't want to fucking see that. Makes me hate you. When you go low, I go to the basement. Mm-hmm. Another thing I'm noticing is that, uh, I think it was Michael Rappaport posted this video um, of somebody, it was somebody else's video. I don't know who took it, but they were driving down Fifth Avenue in New York City. And he's like, look, all this is boarded up. They won't show you this on the news. Look, Cartier's boarded up. Yeah, motherfucker. Cartier on Fifth Avenue is boarded up. 
because there were protests and then there, the second somebody was like, is someone going to destroy my glass because we've been destroying the rights of black human beings since the beginning of this country? Oh no, Cartier, I got to save my ass. But this video made it seem like New York is this like desolate desert of concrete and it's just simply not. I've been living here this whole quarantine, guys. It's not. The flowers are go- growing through the cracks, okay? And I think a lot and I've been and I've been meeting with a lot of people lately. I've been going to some 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 events, some low, you know, minimum capacity events of various kinds of business women, specifically of women. And I got to say, we're going to New York City is going to come back in a it, we're going to reinvent not reinvent the culture, but we're going to carry on the culture of New York and add new things and make it more beautiful and more inclusive and a better place to be. But right now, it's scary walking alone at night on the streets, I will say. I do it, but I have my mace in my hand. That's the difference. I never really walked with mace in my hand before. Nothing's ever happened to me, but man, that citizen apple make you paranoid. But yeah, I think um, I think the, the culture of New York City is going to uh, come back better than it was. And more cultural than it was, and just better. I just have a feeling. Um, based off what I'm seeing, these like underground events kind of emerging and these communities emerging, merging together and being created. And I don't know. I know that's very vague, but, uh, you'll see. You, you'll see. <laughs> also guys, if you don't know how to pronounce the Joe Biden's vice presidential candidate's first name, it's Kamala. Okay. And I learned that from Don Lemon. I'm not trying to school your dumbass because my dumbass couldn't pronounce it either. But Don Lemon on one of his shows was like, guys, because he played a clip of this Fox News guy going, Kamala, Kamala, I don't, and he was getting so mad at himself that he wasn't pronouncing it right, and then he blamed it on her. Well, I don't care. That If you're a news anchor, motherfucker, have some respect. And then somebody else on Fox was like, it's Kamala. Can you please pronounce her name the right way? It is respect. And the Fox News guy was like, respect, Kamala, Kamala, <laughs> Guys, it's Kamala. Comma? Like the, like, uh, hi, comma, how are you? Uh, maybe that's not where a comma goes. But you know what I mean. Comma and then la. Kamala. That's how Don Lemon told me to pronounce it, and that's how I'm going to pronounce it. Because th- that's how it's pronounced. And the, uh, the, this is another thing that's getting my goat lately on the internet. Is pe- No politician is going to have a perfect record. And for anybody to yell that, at somebody as if we didn't fucking know that. Go jump off a cliff. Do you know what I mean? Ugh. There's a lot of sex workers I follow on Instagram who are who uh, talked about the dangerous policies Kamala Harris um, instated when she was working in California. And I'm like, yo, this is this is shit we need to know about. Absolutely. And I want her to be questioned on that shit. I want her to be questioned on on the people getting sent to jail for selling weed and then it being decriminalized and those motherfuckers are still in jail. Anything bad that a politician has done, which is a lot of things, which is very sad, they need to be interrogated about. Absolutely. But will that prevent me from voting for them? Hell no. And this is what another thing I hate. And it's 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 I take full responsibility for even inviting political discourse on social media comment sections. So that's that's my bad, y'all. That is my bad. But 
when people are like, the lesser of two evils is still evil. I know, motherfucker. I know. Do you think I was born yesterday? Oh, my God. But I, yeah, I maybe, I just, I don't want to be defensive like this. It's not who I am. And it's not fun. <laughs> I just want to smoke weed, weed and go up to my loft and read your letters because they're so nice and they're not mean. I just, I just, I just want everybody to know that if we, if anybody d- says, I support Joe Biden and Kamala Harris, they both did some fucked up shit. A hundred percent. One day, maybe we'll get a politician who hasn't. I, I don't know. I hope. But you can't wave, the, like, that's what I don't like. When people are like, well, they did this and this and this. You don't think I fucking know that, you piece of shit, stupid whore. That's what I feel like saying, but I don't. I refrain. And then I just yell it to the ether into my apartment and Kevin with his fucking cone looks at me like, bitch, I got bigger problems than you and I'm not complaining. And I'm like, touche, Kev, touche. I'm just thankful that farts are not politicized. I mean, can we just have a round of applause for that? Can we just appreciate the fact that fart noises are not political and they never will be and you can't tell me that they will because they won't. And one thing everybody has in common who is an asshole is they fart. And that's beautiful. It's the great connector. Somebody sent me a fucking card in my P.O. box. I've laughed so hard. I want you to know that I laughed so hard at this person who said this to me. It's a it's, a, it's like a cardboard um, colored uh, envelope. And it was a card of the same color. And I opened up the card and it just said fart sounds. And that was it in the card. And I laughed for like a good 20 minutes at that. So please know that you made this gal smile. In a sea of frowns, you made me smile. <laughs> I mean, if you feel like you're, you know, just running towards a cliff, guys, you're not alone. You're not alone. Sounds like I'm going into an ad read, but I'm not. Okay, let's get into it. I have so many things that I want to um, read. It was a struggle not to just read this whole chapter verbatim, even though it's a very short chapter. But Nathaniel Brandon... Uh, who is the author of The Six Pillars of Self-Esteem, the definitive work on self-esteem by the leading pioneer in the field. That's probably how he says it at home. Uh, he's such a beautiful writer, and the, this fourth pillar of self-esteem, oh, it makes me shiver in my boots because it's self-assertiveness, y'all. Self-assertiveness. Even the word makes me go, Ugh. And he uh, speaks at the beginning about an experiment he conducted in one of his classes where he made somebody stand in front of the class and say I what did they have to say because I wasn't going to read this part because it was really long and I have too much that I wanted to read um um it says it says it says it says oh I have the right to exist so uh and and people when he asked for volunteers to stand in front of the class and say I have the right to exist he noticed that they were being very defensive about it and then when he asked the same person to say two plus two is four two plus two is four he noticed that this person said it with authority and assertiveness. And where I get fucked up with self-assertiveness is, I let people walk all over me and then I don't really say how I feel. Partially in the past is because I didn't really know how I felt because I didn't allow myself to because that was my defense mechanism as a child and it's how I survived. But because I'm not self-assertive or I historically am not self-assertive, the moment when it comes where I'm like, I have no other choice but to assert here, I am explode y'all I explode I explode and then everyone's like well calm down I'm like, don't you tell me to calm down and, it, and it's just this fireball of poop and shit 
that's what it is. So so self-assertiveness, I think, is, is such a challenge for me specifically. If you're a people person, mm, I feels you. But don't do that shit. Be self-assertive. So self-assertive doesn't mean being like, you're a stupid bitch. <clears throat> you know, that's not self-assertiveness. It's sticking up for yourself. Self-assertiveness means honoring my wants, needs, and values and seeking appropriate forms of their expression in reality. I mean, let that fucking sink in. That is such, this motherfucker put shit into words that I'm like, yo, yes. Self is, I'm gonna read again. Self-assertiveness means honoring my wants, needs, and values and seeking appropriate forms of their expression in reality. (sighs) God. Appropriate self-assertiveness pays attention to context. That's another very important part. The forms of self-expression appropriate when playing on the floor with a child are obviously different from those appropriate at a staff meeting. Yeah, you don't say. Unless you work at Guys We Fuck, hey! To respect the difference is not to sacrifice one's authority, uh, authenticity, excuse me. So to respect the difference between those appropriate tones within the context does not mean you're sacrificing your authenticity, but merely to stay reality focused and y'all I would say something that this society currently is not it's reality focused and I feel like it would be so fucking cool if we could just like take a step back and then focus on the reality of stuff sometimes self-assertiveness is manifested through volunteering an idea or paying a compliment sometimes through a polite silence that signals non-agreement oh that's hard (laughs) sometimes by refusing to smile at a tasteless joke that's the thing because you know I once I discovered oh I haven't been self-assertive most of my life then I went way too far in the other direction I was just a bitch and that's not good either so you gotta reel it in and find the middle ground and that is so hard but that example that he just said sometimes uh, by refusing to smile at a tasteless joke that is a beautiful clapback Okay, and that is a stronger clap back than going, that's not funny. That's why when people talk about jokes that offend them, I get mad for a lot of reasons because it's like, motherfucker, this comic isn't writing this joke to make you feel safe. That's for goddamn sure. And if you get offended by something, that's okay. I get offended by shit all the time, but you process it. Do you know what I'm saying? You don't go, he said something I don't like. You interrogate it. And then ultimately become a warrior. Shout out to my boy, Zamagal Ruiz. And you can do things like refrain. And to me, not smiling at a tasteless joke is such a beautiful way to say fuck you. Do you know what I mean? I cannot tell you how many times I, as a female stand-up comedian, have been brought up to the stage in my early beginnings. Because once guys we fucked hit, everyone respected me more. And I was like, well, that's cool. I don't, I don't care that that's what it took. Sure. Um... I get it. But I would get brought up on a comedy stage as this next comic is a lady. She can make babies in her belly. I'm not kidding. As ha- this hack bullshit. I would get brought up on stage and I see it happen to other women. And then other times, this still happens. People, men and women will come up to me afterwards who don't know who I am. Like, don't, don't, they're at the show and they didn't listen, they don't listen to my podcast. So they just saw me for the first time. And I love that feedback because I'm curious how I come across as people who don't know me because I want to make sure my act isn't too inside baseball. And they'll say, you know, I usually don't think women are funny, but you're really funny. And that 
to to you I say go fuck yourself but also you might not know that that comment is absolutely unacceptable to me um I don't care to educate you in this moment because I'm tired so the act of just not just kind of looking at them and going oh okay that is such a beautiful way to flick somebody off respectfully and to make them think. Do you know what I mean? That's how, because a lot of times I've concentrated on what kind of reaction do I want to get out of somebody? And that's, I'll operate from there. That's not healthy, turns out. It's not great. It's not good. No dice. <clears throat> anyway, while it is appropriate, uh, while it, while what is appropriate self-expression varies with context, in every situation, there is a choice between being authentic or inauthentic, real or unreal. If we do not want to face this, of course, we will deny that we have such a choice. Oh, that hurt. We will assert that we are helpless, but the choice is always there. Okay, let's take a look into what self-assertiveness is and is not. Number one. In a class society, when we see a superior talking to an inferior, it is the inferior's eyes that are lowered. It is the slave who looks down, not the master. In the South, there was a time when a black man could be beaten for the offense of daring to look directly at a white woman. And that's why Black Wall Street got the Tulsa race riots happened because a black man looked at a white lady in the elevator and the white lady was like, ah, rape, you delicate, dumb fuck. See, I'm not being self-assertive in the way that I want to be. But like Emmett Till, he, a black boy looked at a white lady and he got the shit beat out of him and died. But that's an interesting concept that he points out. The first and basic act of self-assertion is the assertion of consciousness. Like looking into somebody's eyes is an act of assertion. And that's one of the things with, with racism and the history of black people being disenfranchised and being slaves. The f mere fact of looking somebody in the eye was seen as a threat. Fuck you, white people. Do you know what I'm saying? Anyway, sorry, I'm going off of tangents. I'm in a woo, rare form. Um, this entails the choice to see, to think, to be aware, to send the light of consciousness outward towards the world and inwards towards our own being. To ask questions is an act of self-assertion. Thank God, because I ask a lot of questions. Always have, always will. To challenge authority is an act of self-assertion. Mm -hmm. To think for oneself and to stand by what one thinks is the root of self-assertion. Note that self-assertiveness should not be confused with mindless rebelliousness. I repeat, note that self-assertiveness should not be confused with mindless rebelliousness. Self-assertiveness without consciousness is not self-assertiveness. It is drunk driving. You know, Nathaniel Brandon, you get all the awards. That's a good way to put that. If you're just being rebellious, rebellious for the fact of being rebellious and you have no thought behind it, which I get, we all do from time to time. But that's not going to build your self-esteem, motherfucker. While healthy self-assertiveness requires the ability to say no, it is ultimately tested not by what we are against, by what we are for. Ooh, chills. A life that consists only of a string of negations is a waste and a tragedy. Self-assertiveness asks that we not only oppose what we deplore, but that we live and express our values. In this respect, it is intimately tied to the issue of integrity. What? Ugh, gotta, hold on, guys the package I ordered. I'm not going to cut this out because I'm a real ass bitch. 
Sometimes the Amazon people will buzz my buzzer because I need to get into the door and then the package isn't for me. And that used to really piss me off. And then I'm like, Christina, relax. They're trying to do their job and you're always home and they know that. So now when they do it, I do, well, I did you just heard me get a little frustrated, but I did order a bunch of packages. But now when I do that and I, I open the door, I'm like, so you have a package for me? And they don't. I'm like, eh, whatever. Anyway, where was I? Okay. Oh, self-assertiveness asks that we not only oppose what we deplore, but we live and express our values. That is so integral to self-esteem. So, okay, it's great to shout about what you're against. It's good. Feel your feelings, boo-boo. But what are you for? And do you seek reflections of that in your life? You know what I mean? Of course you do. Number two, to practice self-assertiveness logically and consistently is to be committed to my right to exist. Because guys, you have a right to exist. Did you know that? Which proceeds from the knowledge that my life does not belong to others and that I am not here on earth to live up to someone else's expectations. That might have just well said, dear Christina. To many people, this is terrifying responsibility. No shit, Nathaniel. It means their life is in their own hands. It means that mother and father and other authority figures cannot be counted on as protectors. I got to say, when I was driving home from my family weekend, after that wonderful magical weekend and then 15 minutes of, okay, I got to go. Um, I realize one of the things I've said to my therapist and I say to myself, I'm like, I am all alone in this world, but not in a bit. I don't say that in a kind of way, but no, I say that in a, in a way that I'm responsible for myself, which is great news. Cause that means I have control over it. I, you know, over me, not over you, but I have control over me and that's cool. But you know, mommy and daddy aren't there to protect me anymore. And, and I didn't get all the protections from mommy and daddy that I needed growing up. And that's what it is. I completely accept that. And it's okay because I can now understand certain things that I didn't know. And you are all you have. And so be good to yourself. And, 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 and really, you know, I don't know. <laughs> What'd you think I was gonna cry? No, I'm not. I just, I just really, it, it, it's, it's this like lonely feeling, but it's, it's feeling that I get whenever I look at the ocean at night. This is a very specific thing, but when I'm on a beach in an ocean and it's nighttime and I'm looking into this giant body of water, I feel alone in the most beautiful way, and that's kind of how I feel whenever I remind myself, like you're all you have. You're the only one that will be in your corner. But that's not a scary thing. It's actually a beautiful thing. So, so you, because you can't expect other people to stand up for you. If it happens, that's really great. But don't expect it. Just know that you're going to have to stand up for yourself. And people will come at you for the rest of your life. There will be moments. There will be more moments in your life where people will come at you with a label of something or with something you did that upset them or and it is your job your honor to stand up for yourself and and i'm learning that standing up for yourself does not mean yelling you're a stupid cunt and that's cool y'all because i don't really like yelling that because at the end of the day that decreases my self-esteem okay let's continue it means that mother and father and authority figures cannot be counted on as protectors because you can protect yourself. It means they are responsible for their own existence and for generating their own sense of security. So find home within yourself. 
Not fear of this responsibility, but surrender to the fear is a chief contributor to the subversion of self-esteem. If I will not stand up for my right to exist, my right to belong to myself, how can I experience a sense of personal dignity? How can I experience a decent level of self-esteem? I mean, yikes, y'all. It often takes courage to honor what we want and to fight for it. For many people, self-surrender and self-sacrifice are far easier. They do not require the integrity and responsibility that intelligent selfishness requires. (sighs) I know, Nathaniel. God. Let's read more, y'all. Number three, with an organization, self-assertiveness is required not merely to have a good idea, but to develop it, fight for it, work to win supporters for it, do everything within one's power to see that it gets translated into reality. It is the lack of this practice that causes so many potential contributions to die before they are born. And this is a really cool example um, that he talks about when he worked with a company because I've worked in group projects before. And let me tell you something. If if you're a stand-up comedian and you have any form of success, part of that success is you're taking meetings with networks and producers pretty much all the time, all year round to try to make a TV show happen. That's just part of the business. And you have to defend your ideas. I have to defend my ideas to my manager who I've been working with for many years, who I love very much, who knows me very well. And at first when he was like, I don't get it. Or he would say something like, I would, I would be like, I would be upset when he would tell me he didn't understand my idea And I'm like, what do you want, Christina? You have to be able to know your idea inside and out and stand up for it. And that's not a bad thing. It's not a defense thing. It's a, so now when he tells me that info, I'm like, that's, first of all, it's a very important feedback for me. If you don't get what I'm trying to say, then that means I have the opportunity to word it better so that you can get it. Um, Because a lot of times I'm not clear. I know what my thoughts are, but when they come out into the words, the thoughts in my head are very intelligent, but then sometimes they'll come out into words just like, and that my manager's like wait what and I'm like how do you not get what I'm trying to say and I need to you know for a while I had to talk myself off of the ledge of Christina stop being victim-y and just understand that you have to more thoughtfully explain your con your television show concepts So anyway, here's an example from Nathaniel that I really liked. As a consultant, when I'm asked to work with a team that has difficulty functioning effectively on some project, I often find that one source of the dysfunction is one or more people who do not really participate, do not really put themselves into the undertaking because of some feeling that they do not have the power to make a difference, do not believe that their contribution can matter. In their passivity, they become saboteurs. A project manager remarked to me, quote, I'd rather worry about handling some egomaniac who thinks he's the whole project than struggle with someone self-doubting but talented individual whose insecurities stop him from kicking in what he's got to offer. I'm just going to pause to let that sink in, y'all. Without appropriate self-assertiveness, we are spectators, not participants. Healthy self-esteem asks that we leap into the arena, that we be willing to get our hands dirty. And that you you'd be opening to feedback. I had such I was so sensitive to any type of criticism a lot of my life. And it's you know, that was really clashed for me when you're an artist. I want to take in feedback and you have to learn to take it with a grain of salt. What feedback to listen to, what to throw away. That's a whole journey to figure that part out. But anytime I would get any form of criticism about anything, my art, the way I dress, anything, I would just truly collapse. 
And that's because of kid shit for me. So once I learned that, I was like, oh, you mean someone could criticize me and I don't have to give a fuck? God damn, wish someone said that to me earlier. When we learn how to be in an intimate relationship without abandoning our sense of self. Oh God, I could barely even read that sentence. When we learn how to be kind without being self-sacrificing. When we learn how to cooperate with others without betraying our standards and convictions, we are practicing self-assertiveness. Oh, that's so scary. Am I in a haunted house? Because I got the woos. Okay, the fear of self-assertiveness. Oh, I can relate to that. The American tradition, this is, this is, I love this part. The American tradition is one of individualism, and some expressions of self-assertiveness are relatively more acceptable in the United States than in some other cultures. Yeah, you know what? Yeah. Not all cultures attach the value to the individual that we do. Not all cultures see equal merit in self-expression, and that's why I love New York, because I truly think they value individualism. Um, not all cultures attach the value to the individual that we do. Not all cultures see equal merit in self-expression. Even in the United States, many forms of self-assertiveness are more acceptable for men than women. Women are still often penalized when they practice the natural self-assertiveness that is their birthright as human beings. Well, thank you for saying that, Nathaniel Brandon, because you know what? I'm tired of being called a bitch anytime I have an opinion, you know? In our society or any other, if one believes that it is more desirable to fit in than stand out, one will not embrace the virtue of self-assertiveness. If one's primary source of safety and security is through affiliation with the tribe, I'm talking to a lot of you, including myself, the family, the group, the community, the company, the collective, even then even self-esteem can be perceived as threatening and frightening. And that's oh, Corinne. Uh, Corinne, uh, I'm just thinking of Corinne now because people are so frightened of how um, secure she is or ha have historically been. And I, I just because I'm with her more than any other human, I see it in her and I see other people's reactions and they react to her self-esteem as if they're threatened by it. And so that's what that made me think of, because um, being self-assertive uh, signifies individualism, self-realization the unfolding of personal identity, therefore separateness. So it's like if you're a part of a family, whenever anybody writes guys who fucked and they talk about, you know, I'm gay and I came out to my parents and now they won't talk to me. You know what? That's, first of all, that is a terrible, that is a terrible feeling to feel abandoned from your family because your family is supposed to make you feel loved and supported unconditionally. But that's not how that works out all the time. And so something as heartless as not as chastising your child based off where they want to stick their penis is just truly mind-blowing. And it's a result of brainwashing of religions and all of this shit. But what I, you know, whenever we get that type of email, I say, you know what? That family is so terrified that you are different from how they learned to be, how their religion told them what it is to live a just and moral life. That's not you in their eyes. And they're so scared of that. But is that a group you want to be a part of? Fuck no, okay? Your family does not earn the, your presence in their lives. They have, they have officially um, thrown the towel in on that. If you, if you are an adult, obviously if you are still a child, if you are still a minor, that, I mean, you're fucking stuck. And that's really, you gotta make some mental paradise in your head to escape to because um, 
But but a lot of times, you know, when your family abandons you or your family gangs up on you, that is so, it's so sad. Um, but if you have, if you know deep down in your heart, you could keep reminding yourself of the fact that you are your only protector, not mom, not dad, not brothers, not grandparents, no one except you. You know, when your family does something that's really disappointing, it doesn't cut you as deep, you know. But that, I mean, me having a political discussion with my family is is a completely different ball game than my family no longer wanting to speak to me because of who I love. That is that is heartbreaking on a level that I I will never experience. But that just reminded me of that issue. A healthy society is a union of self-respecting individuals. It is not a coral bush. Oh. I felt like I just had sexual intercourse with his words in a good way. And it was consensual. Persons with an underdeveloped sense of identity often tell themselves, if I express myself, if I evoke, I may evoke disapproval. If I love and affirm myself, I may evoke resentment. If I am too happy with myself, I may evoke jealousy. If I stand out, I may be compelled to stand alone. Well, that's fine. They may remain frozen in their face of such possibilities and pay a terrible price in loss of self-esteem. I used to think that. I used to be like, I don't want to be my truest, happy, bestest self because then I'll make other people feel sad. And then I was like, Christina, get off your goddamn horse. Uh, okay, here is a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful example that I want to read. Um. Okay, well, here's a, no, actually, I want to read his personal example, Nathaniel Brandon's personal example about self-esteem, but um, I picked two other examples from clients that I, I want to share. Okay, some people stand and move as if they have no right to the space they occupy. <sighs> Don't write me an email and say sorry for it being long, guys. That's an example of that. Some speak as if their intention is that you not be able to hear them, either because they mumble or speak faintly, or both. Some signal at the most crudely obvious level that they do not feel they have the right to exist. They embody lack of self-assertiveness in its most extreme form. Their poor self-esteem is obvious. In therapy, when such men and women learn to move and speak with more assurance, they invariably report, after some initial anxiety, a rise in self-esteem. So good news to all those people who apologize. Not all manifestations of non-self-assertiveness are obvious. The average life is marked by thousands of unremembered silences, surrenders, capitulations, and misrepresentations of feelings and beliefs that corrode dignity and self-respect. Ooh. When we do not express ourselves, do not assert our being, do not stand up for our values in, in contexts where it is appropriate to do so, we inflict wounds on our sense of self. <sighs> I know but it's always good to have a reminder. The world does not do it to us. We do it to ourselves. Man, I can't tell you how many times I've gotten mad at somebody else because I didn't stick up for myself to them. <laughs> oh, we're all pieces of shit, guys, but we're trying. So good for you. Uh, what, here's some, now here's two examples that I chose because I felt personally connected to them because they involved women. A woman is at a cocktail party where she hears someone make an ugly racial slur that causes her inwardly to cringe. She wants to say, quote, I found that offensive. She knows that evil gathers momentum by being uncontested. 
but she is afraid of evoking disapproval. In embarrassment, she looks away and says nothing. Later, to appease her sense of uneasiness, she tells herself, what difference does it make? The man was a fool. But her self-esteem knows what difference it makes. Y'all, you can't hide. You cannot hide from your own self-esteem. Okay? Even if you're not consciously like, you know what? I didn't stick up for myself and uh, that's me not standing up for my values and I want to continue differently going forward. Even if you don't actually say that to yourself or you don't even address what if, if this exact instance happened to you, that's going to fuck up your self-esteem. And you also don't, if somebody says a racial slur in front of you, to not stand up for it is bullshit. Fuck that. Stand up, okay? Stand up for racial equality, please. It'll help everyone. And But it also, standing up for it doesn't mean, you piece of shit! When they go low, go high. Okay? Michelle Obama is right. <laughs> and that's that will help your self-esteem. But you can respectfully stand up for your own values. And that's, I'm saying that mostly as a reminder to myself. Because it's hard to stand up for my own values while not yelling at someone and spitting in their face. Not because I'm on purpose, but just because when I yell, I, I enunciate too much and I spit. It's great for Corona. A married woman hears her husband putting forth some view she regards as both misguided and objectionable. This is such a deep one. She struggles with an impulse to challenge him, to express her own idea, but she is afraid to, quote, rock the boat of their marriage, afraid her husband may withdraw approval if she disagrees with him. A good wife, her mother had taught her, supports her husband, right or wrong. She had once heard her minister declare in his Sunday sermon, quote, a woman's relationship to her husband should be as a man's relationship to God. The memory of these voices still resonates in her mind. She remains silent as she has remained silent on such occasions in the past and does not realize that the root of her vague sense of guilt is the knowledge of her self-betrayal. I mean, take a walk around the block after that. That's a deep one, y'all. Because it, 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 I don't think it's enough to interrogate, why didn't I stand up for myself? Or to notice, I didn't stand up for myself in that no moment. Man, once I started noticing that, I'm like, uh-oh, I do that a lot. I don't stand up for myself a lot. And then when I do, it comes across as too abrasive and not how I want it to be delivered. Not too abrasive because it's a woman expressing her opinions. I don't mean, I don't mean it in that way. <laughs> uh, I mean it as like I yell, <laughs> like, like legit yell. So I, I, finding that balance, man, I, I'm taking, it takes a lot of meditating. <laughs> Uh, but that's interesting. So so her reasoning for not standing up, for not expressing her opinion to her husband, this man that she is married to, is rooted so deeply in her own mother saying, this is what a good wife does. And then her minister that I'm, I'm sure she held in a high regard because that's why it's in this example, said some bullshit like you should worship your dude like God, not worship, but hold him in the regard that your man holds God in. I just disagree with that. I respectfully disagree. But those are deep roots. So you have to get to the fact that, wait, why, what is stopping me from standing up for myself? You know, a personal example. Oh boy. I, he, this guy's such a beautiful writer. I have already mentioned the relationship that I began with Anne Rand a month before my 20th birthday 
and that came to an explosive parting of the ways 18 years later. Among the many benefits that I received from her in the early years, one was an experience of profound visibility. I felt understood and appreciated by her to an extent that was without precedent. What made her response so important was the high esteem in which I held her. I admired her enormously. Only gradually did I realize that she did not tolerate disagreement well. Not among intimates. Not among intimates. She did not require full agreement among acquaintances, but with anybody who wanted to be truly close, enormous enthusiasm was expected for every deed and utterance. Ooh, that's just a fancy way of saying she is the good bitch. I did not notice the steps by which I learned to censor negative reactions to some of her behavior. Oh, that's so, God, that's so well said. It feels like me and my ex. For uh, when, for example, I found her self-congratulatory remarks excessive or her lack of empathy disquieting or her pontificating unworthy of her, I did not give her the kind of corrective feedback everybody needs from time to time. In its absence, we can become too insulated from reality as she did. That's why I love when my fucking friends say, get the together you dumb fuck I'm like you know what thank you you know they say it nicer than that in later years after the breakup I often reflected on why I did not speak up more often I, I who was at least relatively freer with her than anyone else in our circle the simple truth was I valued her esteem too much to place it in jeopardy I had in effect become addicted to it oh boy it seems to me in retrospect that she had a genius for inspiring such, just such addictions by the subtlety, artistry, and astonishing insightfulness with which she could make people feel better understood and appreciated than they had ever felt before. Ooh, I want to know her. I do not deny personal responsibility. No one can be seduced without consent. And that's a man writing that. I repeat, no one can be seduced without consent. We forget that. In exchange for the intoxicating gratification of being treated as a demagogue by the person I valued above all others and whose good opinion I treasured above all others, I leashed my self-assertiveness. I leashed my self-assertiveness in ways that over time were damaging to my self-regard. In the end, I learned an invaluable lesson. I learned that surrenders of this kind do not work. They merely postpone, postpone confrontations that are inevitable and necessary. I learned that the temptation to self-betrayal can sometimes be the worst with those about whom we care the most. I learned that no amount of admiration for another human being can justify sacrificing one's judgment. I mean, if that didn't summarize my relationship with my ex, into the, and I take full responsibility for that. I did not, st I, I can recall, and I, you know, I started dating when I was 23. So I, so I, you know, I don't, I don't have any shame towards this, but it's really cool. When I read that section, I was like, oh, that's what I did with Steven. Okay. 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 Because there were so many times where I just didn't, he was so assertive with his own opinion, too assertive and a little cocky in my opinion about, about some things. And I just kind of let him get joy out of that without challenging him. And I let the, I, I, I helped foster a monster. And when you're in a romantic relationship with somebody, you have to bring up your criticisms, your critiques, your thoughts as they come up. But you got to bring it up in a way that isn't like, nah, 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 nah. you know what I mean? <laughs> 
It's so man to have a del- to have the balance of being self assertive, but also being respectable and respective to yourself, like respectful, not respective, respectful to yourself and to the other person. Man, if I could bottle that up, I'd be a Krizillion Drillion trillionaire. Um, and then let's just read this last part of this section, guys, and then we're out. Courage. Once again, we can appreciate that the actions that support healthy self-esteem are also expressions of healthy self-esteem. So by practicing being self-assertive, you will ultimately build on your self-esteem. Self-assertiveness both supports self-esteem and is a manifestation of it. It is a mistake to look at someone who is self-assured and say, it's easy for her to be self-assertive. She has good self-esteem. One of the ways we build self-esteem is by being self-assertive when it is not easy to do so. And guys, if you're someone like me, it's never easy to do so. But it will be easy one day. I'll get there, y'all. Don't worry. I'll believe in myself. There are always times when self-assertiveness calls on our courage. Guys, thank you so much for listening to the voices in our heads. I hope that you got a lot out of that. I sure certainly did. Please rate and review me on iTunes. I want to be on the comedy charts and I want to chart. I want to be in the top 10 iTunes comedy charts. It's for my ego. And I'm, t- I'm, and I'm admitting that. But can you just rate and review? And also, if you want to mail me something, P.O. Box 1926, New York, New York, 10156. Guys, we are, we are killing it. We are working on ourselves. And when life gets you down and you realize you're ingesting too much news and too much of social media and too much bullshit, take some time to look out the window and breathe deeply. And look at the wind blowing through the trees. It's a very calming thing to remind yourself that we all exist in this same atmosphere of planet Earth. Okay, y'all, I love you so much. I'll talk to you next Wednesday. When you leave.